And I believe that that will begin to help you on that journey. Well, today we are continuing a series of messages that we've been on for the month of June, a timely series called The Present and the Tense. And we know the world that we're living in right now. We know the challenges that we are currently facing. And I just want you to know that we as a church, we're going to continue to address these things. We're going to continue to run after these things. And we are not going to back down from what it is that God is laying on our heart and what our response should be to all of the things that are going on around us. And so this month, what we've been doing is looking to Romans chapter 12. And let me just encourage you, if you haven't read Romans chapter 12, will you please do that? Read through all 21 verses. And then after you do that, read it again. And then after you do that, find someone else and read it with them. And watch what it is. Watch as you read the words in Romans chapter 12. Watch how God speaks to you. Watch how God challenges you. Watch how God begins to do something in your heart, in your life, that maybe just needs to be challenged and changed during this time. See, it's kind of an interesting point in the series because this is week three. And we started this series by having a panel of people that came up and they were completely open and honest with us about the racial tension that we find ourselves in in our country at this time. And last week, I had an opportunity to once again open God's word and to look at a certain segment of scripture that really talks about the, the value that God places on each and every heart, each and every human that God has in fact created. And so today we're going to take it one step further. And it's interesting because as we look at the verses, the five verses that we're going to be covering today, uh, the header for this is actually love in action. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe as you've listened to the last couple of weeks' messages that you're trying to figure out, okay, what is the next step? What is it that I can do? What is it that God is calling me to do? But more importantly, the question is this, is what really is the proper response for us who have faith in Jesus Christ, who claim to, to be followers of Jesus? And as we read about the life of Jesus in the, in the Gospels and how he constantly stood up, for those that didn't have a voice, as he constantly went to those that were the outcasts, the people that were so often pushed aside and made to feel like garbage or made to feel worthless. And yet here we are, we find ourselves in a time in history when we have an opportunity as a church to stand up, to do something that maybe we've never done before individually and maybe do something that we've never done before in the 40-year history of this church. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Believe it or not, the real heart of Paul's letter, it's about to come to life. In fact, the heart of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, it actually begins now in these verses. And I want you to see this. The first 11 chapters of Romans, it actually repeats over and over and over again. It actually explains what it is that God does for us. 
And so it's so important that you realize how much God loves you, how much God has done for you. And if you just think about all of the different messages that have come out of those 11 weeks, all of the things that we've honed in on, and we've asked God to once again, just to speak to us, to remind us of just the incredible love and grace and mercy he has for us. But now we're about to make this huge turn in the letter. Now we're going to learn how we live this out in our daily lives. And these aren't just, you know, a couple points to say, okay, well, you know, this is going to help us be a better this or a better that. No, these are points from God himself that God inspired Paul to write that you and I would be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And do you realize that that image may be different than what you think it is? It may be forming and shaping and molding us and taking us to, to, to a level that maybe we never thought that we were ever going to be taken to. And so I really, today, I want you to have an open heart and I want you to have an open mind. And most importantly, I want you to watch as God speaks to us today. In fact, as we've gone through this series, this is kind of uh, where we've left off in, in Romans chapter 12. The, the, the first couple of verses in there talk about being transformed by the renewing of our minds and the fact that we offer ourselves as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, and that this is actually our worship to God. This is what God is calling us to do. This is what God is actually placing in our hearts. It's what he longs for us as followers of his. And then last week, as we really honed in on this whole idea that we belong together, that God has put his church on this planet, and he's called us with the special gifts and abilities that he's given each and every one of us, to come together, to invest in one another. And see, that's what we're going to need as we head into the future. Do you realize that, church? That as we looked at those gifts, that as I looked at those gifts and I realized, you know, that, that I have the gift of leadership and teaching, that what God has called me to do, that I, not, that I need to make sure that I lead and I lead with excellence and that I teach and what I teach, that I make sure that I'm doing what it is that God has placed on my heart and then I'm not preaching what I think that you want to hear. I'm not just preaching what I think, you know, is going to make everyone feel good about themselves. But I'm actually teaching and preaching in a way because God has so convicted my heart, so gripped my heart, and he has put his words into my mind and what I should share with you today. And so this is what it's going to look like the next two weeks. Today we're going to be looking at how we live with each other in the family of God. And I can tell you this, we don't always treat each other the way that we're supposed to. And we're going to be challenged in that. And then next week is we're going to look at how we live with those who don't believe in God. What is our response to them? And then also, how do we respond to those who we see as enemies? Those that seem so far or so polar opposite of us or their beliefs are so different than us. Do you know that in Romans chapter 12, Paul actually answers all three of these questions. And so if you want to read ahead, which is what I encourage you to do, I really hope that you do that. And again, I hope you read it over and over and over again. And together, let's honestly, let's go to that next place. Let's go to that next level. Let's watch as God does something in our hearts that maybe we didn't even realize could happen. And so this is where our text begins today. It says this, let love be genuine. Isn't that interesting? that the church has to be reminded to not have a fake or a false love or to just have this idea of love where we just say, well, I love you, brother, or I love you, sister. But the fact that it's not even real, it's not even authentic, it's not even genuine, as the text says, 
that you and I have a responsibility to love with all of our hearts those that God has placed in our midst. In fact, in another letter, Paul wrote it this way. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Well, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Well, what is he talking about here? Well, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us, because he has freed us from our sin and he has released that burden from us, that we have this freedom because of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, don't use your freedom to be selfish. Don't, build, don't use your freedom to build some kingdom here on earth for yourself and just to gather things around you to make yourself happy and to make this comfortable life for you here on earth. No, rather, rather than do that, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. Think about that. With the time that you have left on this earth, that you would use that time, that you would use the resources that God has blessed you to serve someone else. And the way that you do that is you do it humbly and you do it in love. In fact, it goes on to say, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That you and I would get to a point in our lives where we care just as much about others in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, those that maybe don't look like us or act like us or talk like us or whatever the case may be, that we actually get to a place where we love them as much as we love ourselves. Just let that sink in for a moment. In fact, here's the opposite. It says this, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Well, doesn't this sound a lot like what's going on in our society now? Our country has never been more polarized. It's this us versus them mentality. And if they don't talk like me, and if they don't believe the things that I believe, and if they don't have the political party affiliation that I have, then I don't want anything to do with them. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of sick of it. And I'm kind of hoping that you're sick of it too, because guess what? The church should rise above all of that. The church shouldn't fall into this trap. We as followers of Jesus are called to a different mission. We're called to a different purpose. God has put us in his family. He said we're to be in this world, not of this world. That we're to be salt and light in this world. That we're to be the lead encouragers in this world. That we're the ones that are supposed to speak up on behalf of others. Man, help us if we get caught in this trap. Help us if somehow we haven't dealt with those areas of our lives that need to be addressed. And this just becomes the cyclical thing over and over and over again. God, help us to do what it is that you've called us to do, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. In fact, it goes on in a few verses later. And he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This fruit that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, places inside the heart of his followers. And isn't it interesting that the very first fruit is what? Love. Because if we don't understand love, if we don't understand how to love our neighbors, if we don't understand that we are to love everyone that God has created, none of these other ones matter. None of these other ones are going to make any sense to us. Everything starts through the lens, through the funnel of really comprehending God's command to us to love. And I want you to see what Paul says in the second half of this very first verse. He says, abhor what is evil and hold fast 
to what is good. And here's where I'm going to encourage you once again this week, as we have the last couple of weeks, is this, is to speak up. You and I have an opportunity to speak up. And I know many of you, you've been trying to figure out the the racial tension in our country. You've been trying to figure out even the racial tension in our community. And we've seen, we've seen it here locally. We've seen what what happened in Romeo. We've seen it, what's happened with protest and, you know, peaceful protest. And we're trying to figure this out. We're trying to figure out what it is that God is calling us to do. And I know many of you, you've asked me or you've, you've pulled me aside or you've sent me emails or you've messaged me and you said, Tim, I'm really grappling with this. I'm truly, really trying to understand how this all works. I'm not a racist. And I know even myself, I've said that. Like, I don't, what am I supposed to do? What's my proper response? I'm not a racist. But can I tell you today, it's not enough to be a non-racist church. Our church can't just be a non-racist church and just say, well, we value everyone. We have to be an anti-racist church. We have to get involved with the things that that are going on in our society. This just can't be a one-message knockoff, or we just do this for the month of June, and then July, we're right back to doing things like we always have. This is something that we have to continue to talk about. This is something that we have to continue to get on our knees and humble ourselves and pray to God and say, God, God, what is it that you are doing in our country? God, what is it you're doing in our community? God, what is it that you have for your church here in Shelby Township? This is a time to speak up. And many of you know this, our vision statement, which is only six months old, right? That we said the very first line is that we are going to value everyone. We can't just make t-shirts and banners and have all of these things that that say, well, we're going to value everyone, but then say, well, we don't value black lives, right? And be afraid to say that black lives matter. Guess what? Black lives matter because they are part of valuing everyone. We can't say that that we value everyone and then say, well, we're not going to be about the things that God has called us to do. Isn't it interesting, even the mission trips that we go on, the the people that we interact with, the, the people that God has even placed in our lives, and yet we still struggle with this. We're still having a difficult time understanding what this all entails. And God, in his grace and his mercy, is gripping our hearts, and he's challenging us to speak up, to speak up like never before. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another. And oh, by the way, just as I have loved you, because love comes from God, the only reason that we're able to love is because God has loved us. You also are to love one another. And then check this out. And some of you, I think you know this verse. By this, all people... Everyone on this planet that are watching the church right now in this time, that they're seeing how the church is responding, all people, whether they believe in Jesus or not, are going to know that you are my disciples. They're going to know you're followers of mine, that you're children of mine, if you have love for one another. That's the mark of the church. That's the mark of the true church, the one true church that God has called us into fellowship in how we treat and respect and honor and respond to those that God has placed in our lives and in our communities. You know, it has been interesting because 
I have received emails and I've received phone calls and I'm so glad that, that, you're, that you're giving me the feedback, that you're communicating with me, that you're telling me how this is impacting you these last couple of weeks and responding to the messages that, that you've heard preached. But I'm also concerned that there's some others that are out there that are staying silent and maybe they're festering or maybe they're frustrated or maybe you're even frustrated at me and even some of the things that I'm saying. And it was interesting because, you know, I was kind of taking a deeper dive into our local community here. And I was kind of looking at, you know, where our church is placed and even the community that we find ourselves in. And wouldn't you know that 12.2%, when you think about this, you guys know I love numbers, 12.2%, interesting that we're in Romans chapter 12, so it's easy to remember, 12.2% of Macomb County is African American. And you might say to yourself, oh, wow, that kind of makes sense. Maybe that's why I don't have a lot of black friends. Maybe that's why there's not a lot of black families that live in my neighborhood. But this is where I went with that stat. I said, does Shepherd's Gate, which is in Macomb County, actually represent our community? And when you look at the families that God has called to be part of Shepherd's Gate, And I looked at the 12.2%, and if you do 12.2% of 1,200 members, because that's how many people call Shepherd's Gate home, home, we don't even come anywhere close to representing our community. And that shook me. That bothered me. I began to ask, why? Why is that the case here at Shepherd's Gate? And are we doing anything about that? Is there a reason that that's the case? Is there some blinders that maybe we have on that we don't realize? Maybe there's some things that we need to address at a church. Then I went on our staff page on our website, and I looked at the staff that we have here at Shepherd's Gate, and our staff doesn't represent 12.2% of the population. Our staff doesn't even make up that. And so I know many of you, you're wondering, well, is this just something that that you're going to talk about for June? And then, you know, we're going to move on to something else in July. And, you know, it can seem like it's just the topic at hand. And I just want to tell you again, we're not doing this because it's a topical message or because it's what's in the news right now. We're doing this because it's time. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to be on the cutting edge, the leading edge of racial inequality once again. And man, we are so burdened with this at Shepherd's Gate. And I realize that it's going to make people in our church uncomfortable. I realize that not everybody that calls Shepherd's Gate home right now is going to want to go on this journey with us. It's not going to be on board. I pray that they will. I hope that they will. But we can't resist what the Holy Spirit is laying on our hearts anymore. And we can't, you know, say that we're going to do one thing and and put it on our vision statement and then go in a completely different direction. We know and we trust and we believe what it is that God has for our future. And so my hope and my prayer is for everyone that calls this place home, that you're going to help us figure this out together. In fact, I'm excited to tell you today that we've actually just recently formed a task force, a group now that's going to come together. And this is going to be their primary focus for the weeks and the months and the years to come. They're going to dig in deeper than we ever have been before as a church. And they're going to come alongside of us. And I want you to hear this. This isn't something where we just go, oh, that's nice. So there's a subcommittee that's going to handle the the racial inequality. No, all of us as a church have to be on board with this. All of us have to be willing 
to roll up our sleeves and to, and to do a deep dive into our own lives and to figure out what it is that God is putting on our hearts for our future. I'm just so thankful that they're the ones that are going to help influence this and drive our church in the future. The time is now for us to be involved. And I want you to think about it in light of how these verses end our passage today. Look at what it says. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That we are going to passionately go after this. That we're going to passionately go after what it is that God has in fact laid upon our hearts in this time. And we are going to rejoice in the hope that we have in Jesus but we are going to be patient in this tribulation. And the way that we're patient in the tribulation is by being constant in prayer. And so we're going to come together and we're going to get on our knees and we're going to cry out to God and we're going to ask for his leadership and his guidance and his direction in our lives. We are going to share with the Lord's people who are in need like never before. And this may look different than it's ever looked, but guess what, church? I believe we're ready for this. I believe that we're ready to be pushed out of our comfort zones. I believe I believe for some of us, we need to be pushed harder than we've ever been pushed before. And we are going to seek to show hospitality again to everyone that God has placed in our lives. And so, church, I want you to hear my heart today. As we close this service, I want you to hear it again. We are in this for the long haul. We are not just going to sit by and say, well, you know what? It doesn't affect me or it doesn't affect my family or there's no black people in my neighborhood or there's no black people in my circles of friends. No, we are going to dig in and we are going to figure out how to come alongside our African-American brothers and sisters. And we're going to come into our community and we're going to go and we're going to go to places that maybe we've never gone to before. And we're going to figure this out and we're going to keep speaking up about it. And we're going to keep leaning in. We're going to keep researching and reading and learning and gaining wisdom and knowledge. And again, as I said last week, there's some things that we need to learn absolutely. And there's probably a whole lot of things that we need to unlearn. There's some things that maybe we just have always just assumed that are a certain way. And now God is challenging those things. God is putting before us the things that maybe we've always thought were supposed to be this way. And now God's saying, no, I have something that's even more in store for your future. And I just believe that God is getting ready to do something beautiful here at Shepherd's Gate, that he's molding us and shaping us and forming us as his church. And I'm excited about what Shepherd's Gate's going to look like a month from now. I'm excited about what Shepherd's Gate is going to look like three months from now and six months from now and a year from now and three years from now because we were willing to humble ourselves. We were willing to get gut honest about the the prejudices and the racism and the thoughts and the actions that we've committed in the past, but also about the things that continue to tie us up today. And I just believe that God is going to break through in our hearts, and I believe he's going to bring our church closer together, and I believe he has an even better future in store for you and for me and for this place that we love, that we call home. And so I'm just thankful for all of you. I'm thankful that you continue to be part of this church. I'm thankful for your humility and so many of you that have said that God is just tearing down walls, that God is breaking things in your heart and in your life. And I can't wait to see what he has next for us. So thank you. Thank you again for being with us today. 
And if there's anything that we can do, please know that we are here for you as a church. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're just once again humbled and grateful that even as we've gone through these sermon series and even as we've been on Romans chapter 12 for this month, God, how each and every time that your word is so timely for us. God, I pray that you would continue to break those areas of our hearts that need to be broken. Those that may even be watching today and there's just still so much anger and bitterness and animosity and confusion. God, I just pray that that you would break that that spirit that, that is within us that wants to go contrary to your word, that wants to focus on ourselves instead of actually going that next step that you've called us to do, to care for others and to love others and to love others even as we love ourselves. And so God, I pray, do what only you can do. Continue, God, to form and to shape and to mold us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, who, yes, died for our sins. And because he died and rose again, we are forgiven children of God. And so with the time that we have left on this earth, with this time on this side of heaven, God, help us to walk in your ways and help us to respond to the things that are happening in our midst God, we love you and we thank you. We do all of these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.